Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this episode with Chaim Newman and Zach Bohr of Amber Health. They're here to talk about the important issue of mental health and mental health services for music industry professionals. I spoke to them in last month in May, and May was Mental Health Awareness Month, so I'm really happy that I was able to do that and have them on the show to talk about the amazing work that they do. If you're here to listen to Chaim and Zach for the first time on Roadcase, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a regular and or longtime listener, thanks so much for your support. I am so psyched to have you along for this one. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved with the Roadcase community. First and really easy way, and we really rely on the support of you listeners to just do a couple little things that help support Roadcase. Uh, first is to follow us on the socials. We are at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you'd like to find out more information about the show, you can do so on our website, www.roadcasepod.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, just want to say, hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at roadcasepod.com. Another great way to help support Roadcase is really simple. Uh, you simply subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, for example, on the Roadcase homepage, there's a little box. It says follow. Uh, it's right there on the Roadcase homepage there on Spotify. Uh, just click on that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, which is another very popular streaming platform, you're at, from the Roadcase homepage, look up in that upper right-hand corner, uh, and there's a check, check mark. Uh, you just click on that. Doing so on both those platforms and uh, similarly on other platforms will allow you to receive live updates as to when new episodes come into the world. Uh, if you've already done that and followed and subscribed to Roadcase, thanks so much for your support. I really appreciate that. If you haven't, please do so. Another great way to help support Roadcase is to rate and review Roadcase on your streaming platform. So if you're on Spotify, for example, uh, just under that follow box, there's a small box with some stars. Rating it is just as easy as clicking on that box and on Apple Podcasts. Just scroll up a little bit from the Roadcase homepage and you'll see some stars. Uh, just click on a bunch of those and uh, a place to write a review right under that uh, really helps out the show. If you've already done that, thanks again. Uh, and if you haven't, uh, really appreciate it. Really helps out Roadcase. So like I said, May was Mental Health Awareness Month and I was really happy to speak to Heim Newman and Zach Bohr of Amber Health last month. Uh, we're now into June, but uh, really glad to have had sp had the chance to to speak with them. Mental health is such an important topic overall, and especially in the music industry. Many of you listeners are in the music industry and or just fans in the music industry of the of music of touring of watching shows uh what those people do to bring music to us uh on the regular basis is really really stressful it's difficult uh we all do it they all do it because of the love of music and love of bringing live shows to everyone because it's just an amazing experience as we all know uh but it does take a toll from a mental health perspective and Haim and Zach have uh, put together Amber Health and uh, are providing services on a real broad basis uh, to help improve and provide services to help approach and attack the real true mental health crisis that we have in the industry. Haim is a PhD in clinical psychology and in private practice, he specialized in uh, clinical care for artists, music industry professionals, and other high-profile individuals. Zach Bohr is a psychotherapist with a master's in marriage and family therapy. He worked as a musician and songwriter and then got into the mental health field to help music industry professionals with 
the unique issues that they all face, and uh, he strives to help others navigate the difficulty faced by touring musicians and others in the industry. They had both joined forces together to provide mental health solutions under the name Bohr Newman and are now operating under a as a new venture entitled Amber Health. They provide health services on a broad scope to full tours, festivals, artist teams, and others. Basically a wider and scalable purview allowing to help many others at once. Uh, they published a paper that was published in a journal of psychiatric research. This paper collected data uh, based on a 239 question survey of more than 1100 touring professionals. And what that data found is really did not come as a surprise, but uh, to do so in a formal setting was really, really important to really find concrete evidence of the mental health crisis. And what they found was that uh, rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide risk to be five to 10 times higher in the music industry than the general population. Uh, that is just a stunning statistic. And like I said, we all love live music. We want everyone to have the ability to face mental health challenges, have an outlet, have sort of a systematic type of problem solving uh, structure in place everywhere. Um, quite a ways back, I spoke to Backline's uh, Hillary Gleason and Backline provides mental health services uh, to touring professionals uh, within the tour themselves uh, through venues. They distribute laminates with phone numbers and of therapists and ways that you can help if you're in crisis while you're on tour. It's a real issue. Hillary does amazing work with Backline and Amber Health is taking a sim somewhat a similar approach, but on, in a, on a broader basis. And it's really, uh, they're really doing important work uh, to help support the music industry. And I support that. I support them. Um, I support uh, services for uh, mental health. And I want the industry to be as healthy as possible, as I know all of you do. Haim and Zach are doing their best, have created this amazing uh, venture, Amber Health, to do just that. So glad that you're along for this really important interview and episode here on Roadcase. Thanks so much for your support. Thanks for being here. And thanks for your interest in the uh, mental health of those in the industry that we love so much. And I want to send a special thank you to Chaim Newman and Zach Bohr of Amber Health for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Hi, I'm Zach. Great to have you on the show, man. How are you guys both doing? Doing great. Doing Thanks good. for having us. Yeah, nice to be here, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Nice to nice to be here as well, talking to you guys. I'm so excited to uh, to cover more mental health issues here on this show, which are so just absolutely. You asked me if we can swear. It's so fucking important to like be um, just in this industry getting everybody's heads right. And I'm so glad that you guys are out there helping people do that in what is such an incredibly high stress environment. And of course, May is also Mental Health Awareness Week, and I'm happy to be here for that as well. Um, so I guess in just doing my research, you guys, um, there's a paper out, which seems to be like really important for what Amber Health is. Um, and I think that paper talked about just put some numbers to concepts and showed really how bad stress is out there on the road and why individuals need help. You guys want to explain that to me a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, such a big hallmark of what we do is, uh, is support founded in research, mm. meaning rather than just flying by the seat of our pants or the, you know, hubris of what we might think to be what's going on. We really wanted to make sure that we had a thorough understanding yeah. of the nuances of, kind of how mental health shows up in this industry, what drives the mental health, you know, we, we just call yeah. it a fucking crisis because that's pretty much what it is in this industry. Yeah. I think when uh, one out of five people are certifiably and quantifiably suffering from it, it's kind mm -hmm. of a crisis, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, 
you know, we really wanted to understand what the numbers meant. And then based out of that, to be able to uh, develop programming and support that matched uh, the nuances of what the data suggested was going on. And, uh, you know, starting in 2020, right before the pandemic, uh, our team conducted what was uh, now I think the largest study in the history of the music industry, mm. looking at mental health and the correlates of mental health and some of the mental health critical outcomes in this industry. Uh, the paper you're talking about, so there are actually two. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if you if you look at the white paper that Zach and I wrote together, there are actually three. Oh. But uh, but to say this, which is the original paper, which came out in what January 2022, mm-hmm. uh, was sort of the overview of the baseline mental health of this industry. And you looked at things like the 34 to 50% depression rate, 26%, um, you know, suicide risk within the past yeah. year, uh, 58% of people have lost a, uh, a colleague to suicide at some point in their career. Yeah. Uh, you know, those numbers were, were startling. They're kind of what we thought they were in the industry, you know, and Zach and I've talked about it for mm-hmm. years. Like we knew, that this problem was real, but still, when you see and the numbers don't lie and you look at the data in front of you, and this was a sort of sample of about, what, 1,400 touring professionals, not all of them get reviewed in the paper, but right. the overall people that took the survey was about 1,400 touring pros, you know, of every level from like artist, you know, backline tech, uh, front of house, lighting designers, catering, wardrobe bus drivers, yeah. everything in between, just the gamut of who works on a tour and uh, across the world, not just in the U.S., but really the U.S., Canada, Germany, the U.K. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this was pretty uh, universal, those numbers, universal and terrifying. And so that was the first paper. The paper that was just released uh, is a really interesting paper looking at the relationship uh, between a whole bunch of different aspects of mental health on tour. And I'll, I'll share a little bit of this and then I want to shut up because Zach has probably more interesting things to say than, than I have. There's, um, there's nothing, there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing more interesting than this. Yeah. But, but, I, but I will briefly tell you, but I will briefly tell you about this, which is, you know, so we found a pathway, which is, you know, this is like the not shocking part of the paper where you're like, oh, that's kind of obvious, which is like the higher people's stress levels were, the more likely they were to experience clinical levels of depression or be at risk for depression. So more stress equals more depression. And then no shocker again, more depression equals higher risk of suicidality. And, you know, the ultimate outcome that we want to really prevent and lower that number. Right. Um, And I have a quick question. Oh, are you going to, okay. Well, I don't want to interrupt your flow. Uh, No, it's okay. That's part one of the paper. And then part two is the really interesting part. Do you, I mean, this is like an out of left field comment, but, or a question, but do you contract out this study or did you have it done? Um, how do you go about doing this study? I kind of, I understand why you wanted to do it. You made that clear. You wanted to have the actual concrete numbers, but, um, so it's, how do you have a study like this done? It must take a while also. And B, the sub question is, um, the the sub question is: Did it give you kind of? Didn't you already know what the hell was going on out there? Why'd you have to have the numbers? Well, uh, so great questions, both of them. So the answer is yes, we did the study. No, we didn't subcontract it. We have a team uh, with uh, Ryan George and Dr. Vance Neiman and Tim uh, Tim Bites and uh, Zach Bergson, who are all really really awesome researchers. I come from a PhD research background. Okay. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the, you know, it's like the academic, we get to fucking nerd out over data. Dude, I totally, I totally relate, but the question just needed to be asked. Yeah, completely. We spent almost a year just building the survey and trying to analyze the phrasing of the questions and what we were going to ask. So the answer is that you guys are just super uber geeks. Okay. So I got that. Yeah, well, and if you <laughs> want to do this, you only get one shot to do this right, right? Because yeah, yeah. asking people to sit and fill out 239 questions for an hour and a half while they're on tour, right. like you don't get a second chance to ask that, sure. which meant that we were only going to be able to do this once in this industry, yeah. and we needed to do it properly. And there had been a whole series of like kind of small, bad studies done by various groups within the industry. They weren't sort of uh, 
you know, research board approved. They weren't done by research experts. Uh, the data was flawed in a lot of ways. And we really needed to just actually have a piece of data, not just for ourselves, but the second piece, the, your second question of like, why is this important yeah. to do? Yeah. Is it, it lends a gravitas and a credence to us to be able to walk uh, into the rooms in this industry with so many of the relationships we have. And whether it's talking to people at a tour, talking to people who are running music festivals and live events, talking to people in labels, management companies, agencies, and to be able to say, you need to do something about this. And right. here's the evidence that you, you know, as opposed to coming in and saying, well, you know, Zach and I and a whole bunch of people think that there's a real problem and you need to do something. Yeah, but well, I mean, not only that, maybe like, there were, weren't there, uh, there must have been other research where you can get numbers, but it makes sense to do your own. And then you come in. No, you're shaking your head. There's not. Well, which is the reason why, yeah, but that's an answer. Yeah, also, so there, right? really, there really wasn't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We yeah. searched for it. And there had been like a small study out of the UK and one out right. of Australia that also looked at like the film industry and mixed it all together and really hmm. comprehensive research. This was pretty much the first study and maybe the only study still <laughs> of its kind. Right. Um, which I think was why it's so every time that Zach and I go and do a presentation or a workshop at a conference in the industry at a, you know, at a, a boardroom of, uh, you know, a, a key organization in this industry and their board of directors. Yeah. The thing that grabs people the most is the data, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's like the numbers jump off the page and you're like, wow, you know, three out of every 12 people on a tour bus were at suicide risk last year. It's like, Holy shit. you know, how do we not invest in taking care of the mental yeah. health of our crews and totally, our Totally, totally. So Zach, did what surprised you in this? Did anything surprise you when, um, when you read the results of this? Uh, I don't know if anything surprised me. Like I said, we've spent a lot of time in our offices and doing the work that we do talking yeah, to people yeah, right? Right, so, right, right. When, our, when our when our phone rings it's like i'm in trouble i'm suffering yeah. from depression yeah you know what's anxiety. going so, on out there but so it, yeah yeah so it, in a sense it's almost like surprising that it wasn't higher some of these numbers so that's that surprising to you that you thought it was yeah, work i mean well and we're as we're living in the offices with all these different people in, in the industry who are suffering at, at great levels we just we we know how we know how trying and taxing it can be. You know, just to piggyback on what Chaim said, I think the interesting thing that the data does also is it allows us to really take all these numbers, put them on a screen. But then when we talk to people and we're, we're explaining the data to them, we humanize it. And this is where the real impact comes when we're presenting the data mm. is when we say, look at these numbers, 58%. Yeah. Think about if you have lost somebody. Think about if depression rates are 50% in this industry. Maybe you or somebody you know is suffering from this. And you see heads start to shake. You see mm. tears start to stream down people's faces. Yeah. And so what we're, what we're learning is like it is anecdotal. It is clinical. It is personal for so many people. And now we've actually done a really good That's, job of showing like it's, yeah. it is it is a um, – it is researched, sound researched, that this is actually what's happening. And so we're able to sort of like come at this at all angles. I mean, not only that someone that you're saying this to knows someone else that's suffering, but it's like whenever you go in, when you go with a mental health problem and you see stats that other people, like actual stats from a study, I mean, I don't know if people, if you're having mental health, maybe you're not reading the fine print, like where's the study from? Who the fuck cares? It's like there's people out there that are suffering just like you. And they're having a shared experience and this is not out of the ordinary. Like this is shit that happens to people and hear actual numbers. I really do think it helps not only from someone that might know somebody, but they're talking to you guys because they're also going through it. And, and it helps to know that there are other people out there. And if you spend more than five minutes in this industry, you know that it's taxing. You know that it, it, it's good. You know that drugs and alcohol are relevant. You know that people are away from their families. You know that relationships are suffering. Yeah. So, so you, you, like if you've been in it for any amount of time, like this is yeah. real to you. So yeah, totally. it's it's relatable data because it's it's so specific and so driven on just the music industry. And, and I think that's that's one thing that we have that we focus on only in Amber Health is like we are just back of house for the music industry. That is the only thing we do. 
Right. Um, talk to me just, well, just br a brief question before, and then I want to talk about something else uh, real quick. And we're going to come back to the part two, Chaim, about interesting stuff. Don't, don't, you sit tight, man. Don't, and don't <laughs> worry. Um, experience in the industry. You guys both have experience in the industry. You know how hard it is to be out there and to do it, what it is that your, your clients and those that come to you for help are, are, are in, they're up to their necks in it. Um, tell me a little bit about where you guys came from at Heim. Zach was talking for a few minutes. Why don't you tell me like how you guys found yourself at this point and what, um, and you know, what you, what you sort of bring in terms of, um, you know, uh, your own experience in this industry and how you know, how you've come to personally touch all these tough issues. Yeah. You know, and I, and I grew up around, uh, music to some degree, my dad being a producer of, uh, shows and, uh, live events sort of as a hobby. And, you know, I remember being around green rooms and sound checks when I was six years old. And, oh, where you know, was, to know where was God. that? This is in Toronto, uh -huh. um, in in yeah, in good old good old Canada, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I so so I've been like around it, like I fell in love when I was a kid oh, cool. with you know what was going on in back of house in the live space. Yeah, when I was in my like late teens, started to get involved promoting some shows at various venues around town. Ended up becoming involved in the festival space, which is what I really loved and worked in. Uh, artist relations and hospitality at some of the, you know, big festivals around the U.S. Ended up getting involved with a festival in Reykjavik, Iceland, which I was on the core team that ran that for a bunch of years until mm. COVID sort of did you, uh, did, unfortunately kiboshed us. Yeah, all right. You fast forwarded through a lot of stuff, but did you go to school for performing arts or anything like that? Or No, I you actually just... went to school. Yeah, I actually went to school for undergrad, master's, PhD all in the psych realm because as I love music on the one hand yeah. in a live music space, uh, I think what felt like a sense of uh, one was a passion. The other felt like a sense of purpose, which yeah. was, you know, being able to alleviate suffering, make a difference in people's lives. And as a kid who grew up doing uh, puzzles all the time, jigsaw mm -hmm. puzzles, <laughs> I think the human experience to me was always the most interesting puzzle and understanding oh, patterns of human yeah. behavior and human relationships and how and why we show up in our worlds in the way that we do was really fascinating to me. And so there was sort of these parallel tracks as I was, uh, you know, getting more and more involved in the music space and starting to work with bands and sleeping on tour buses. I was also completing my PhD, all of that. Uh, oh, interesting. And when that happened in 2013, about a decade ago now, uh, I was approached, you know, now I was sort of like bona fide, you know, doctor, like, okay, go out and, you know, open your private practice kind of thing. And I started getting hit up by a bunch of people who I had relationships with from the all industry. this work in the industry huh. saying like, great, can you help my artist? Can you help this crew member? I know, you know, it's like we, uh, you're one of the only people who really understands this stuff, who has like the clinical Jeez. background, but also has like slept on the bus and worked in the back of house and done credentialing at a festival, you know? and speaks our language and thus you know it's sort of like my individual practice and this is before zach and i met so there's kind of both of us have two parts of the story there's yeah. our individual stories yeah and then there's sort of how we came together the this history is of your marriage. my backstory yeah this is yeah. exactly this is kind of my backstory <laughs> puzzles and all <laughs> yeah. please don't tell me you're into puzzles too zach <laughs> I, I was i you were, and i didn't you have to be I didn't know that until right now. And oh, I was really? Kid who grew up doing doing oh, puzzles cool. and doing Legos. I love Legos it. Also. I love uncovering Shut new. Shut up! I did not know that about you until yeah. this moment. That's always yeah. my story that I tell on these podcasts. <laughs> but maybe we usually split them, and only one of us does the podcast, so we never hear each other's full story. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, or we haven't gotten granular enough to go into like our childhood hobbies because you know now it's getting into our own therapy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, you know, cool. I yeah. think your, your own, your own back, you guys are backgrounds are really interesting. And, um, just to, to finish up Chaim for a second, like, so your dad was in the business kind of, but also from sort of a hobby or interest standpoint, and that sort of sat with you for a long time, but you went on to, uh, have a, an interesting academic background. And I love when those two things meld together somehow and that's just that's where the I'm juice gonna give, is i'm going to give a small shout out to steve riff who uh is an amazing amazing promoter in uh steve, Toronto, steve riff 
Yeah. What I else know, is he going right? to be? What else is he going to be? That's it. He, he was <laughs> born to do it. And he is one of the great promoters I've met in my lifetime. Okay. And I remember standing, standing with him outside of his venue in Toronto, the Danforth Music Hall, outside of a show by a great UK band called Oh Wonder that uh. we were both sort of hanging out um, backstage at. And, and we were chatting about, you know, all the festival stuff I was working on. And right. he's like, what are you doing? Like trying to be like, the world has enough festival promoters like without you, but it right. like, does not have enough people who are like, understand like clinical and academic world. Oh, and yeah. also like, hey, yeah, get this industry from the inside. And he's like, you need to do that. Cause like, that's what we don't have enough of. That's and fantastic. That's where you're going to really make a difference. And the truth is he was right. And I probably should like send a, you know, thing of flowers to his house. Um, other than just texting him all the time and being like, dude, you were right. Um, yeah. But flowers. Yeah, and, don't do it this week. Cause really everyone's sending their mom flowers just, you know, to make your life easier. Impossible. There's, there's a major flower shortage. <laughs> yeah. It's like the tulip right. crisis in Holland and from the 1600s. Right. Dude, hi, I'm just Back. every time you send him that text message, just send him virtual flowers with it. It will just, you know, like hey, happy birthday and the balloons go up on the text oh, message. Man. I don't think you respond. I don't think he responds even to 80% of my text messages <laughs> at this point. Um so please tell me that your PhD dissertation was at least uh, was in the end on the in the industry. I have no idea. I'm not trying to paint you in a corner. On so that or so anything it's interesting. Like a, it had nothing to do with the industry, <laughs> but yeah. but teaser, it did have to do with the part two interesting part oh. of what we'll talk about, which came out in the recent paper. Boom. So Sometimes we'll circle back. Just work. You want to cover it now? Oh, all right. Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, so. Zach, tell me about your kind of your your own personal ascendancy in the mental health world. And you're based in LA. I'm from LA. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I'm, you I'm look in. like you're from LA, Josh. Do I? I don't have, but you do more than I do. You got two surfboards in the background, bro. <laughs> yeah, just it's, it's, I'm taking it. I'm totally taking it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm here, and I don't look like I'm from LA, or maybe I do. I don't know. It's uh, no, you look like you're from Toronto. Or Chicago. <laughs> hey, look, I tried to put all the books behind me so I could look academic. You do. Um, oh, man, my story is uh, I was a, a performer for my whole life. Mm. And I come at it from the performance from the performance end and, you know, grew up, you know, listening to tons of music. And I think summer camp was probably my first sort of like, Oh, listen to the Grateful Dead and Fish and like sort of like the hippie bands and yeah, yeah, like yeah. the jam world is like most twelve-year-old kids at summer camp do. Right, and learn how to play the guitar there and came home and started playing guitar and um, always sort of stuck to it. And then I went to undergraduate degree at University of Florida, thinking I was going to be a lawyer or a, um, an agent or mm. someone in the industry. Mm. And I got sort of caught up in the performance bug and brought me to New York City. And I lived in New York City for 10 years and was a full-time bartender and singer-songwriter. And so you were, a, you, were an acoustic 10... guitar, you were an acoustic guitar guy just looking to like do acoustic, your thing and you love performing? Yeah. I I did, and I played the clubs, and then eventually I started playing with backing bands, and oh, cool. you know got rep representation, and sort of tried to not be that singer songwriter. And I always like I, I love Motown, and I love groove music, and so mm -hmm. I really wanted to to sort of like figure out if I could do the singer songwriter thing with like a more funky backbeat sort of thing. So I had a little bit of like a a uh, singer songwriter rock band. I used to say it was like the Chili Peppers meets Jason Mraz in a sense. Um, oh, wow. That was sort of like what I was trying to do. I was wondering what bit. would happen if those two actually met. So Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe I should have just, yeah. So, so, so academically, clearly you have a, an in-depth academic background in psychology or... I suffered from I, what I was realizing was that as I was progressing and going through the years, I was becoming, I had an inverse relationship with the industry as I was becoming more quote unquote successful, as I was making more money and doing things at a, a more pro level, my interest level, and my enjoyment was going down. And so there was something interesting there in my experience. And I was tremendously anxious. I was depressed. My relationships were suffering. I was drinking too much. I was out too late. I was unhealthy. All of the things that we sort of see in the data that we yeah. collected. Yeah. And 
I sort of hit a point where I, I realized that for my life moving forward, it was an unsustainable path and it took me a long time to process through getting out of that, but through my own work and through my own sort of self-discovery landed on like, holy shit, there's nobody providing support for artists, musicians, and, um, you know, I was in New York, so I was around all these creative people, whether they're Broadway performers or actors or yeah. writers. And I was just seeing everybody was going through the same thing, whether you were, you know, Grammy nominated or working in a restaurant. It was everyone was sort of suffering from the same thing. And That's I think an incredibly like, altruistic point of view. Like, was that before you was that after you got help for your own? the exploration of your own issues or it was, was that simultaneous? Something? It was simultaneous. I think probably looking back, I was probably beginning to put, to have one foot out of the industry. Um, uh -huh. I was just, I was a mess. I, right. I was a fucking mess. Well, you weren't and, a mess enough to realize that other people might need help. Like I said, I think it's like very altruistic. Um, standpoint. I also, I saw, I saw, I saw career path also like it was altruistic and I believe in like reducing suffering like Kyle well, said, but I also we all need to make money. Like, we all want to, I mean, oh, presumably we want to work in areas that we are, uh, that we, um, that we have a passion in. Right. So, but it land, but I was, I was always a person who I was interested in what other people's experience was. I would be the person on the subway who would have their headphones in, but have it on mute so I could like eavesdrop on the conversation uh, next to me. Yeah. And I always Sinister. interested in how people, how people live their lives and bartending was like, I was basically a therapist, right. Yeah. For years and right. years and years. And so right. I already had like, I felt like I had the skill set of connecting with people and I love the music industry. And I was seeing so many people suffer that it felt like the perfect combination and then I just sort of like, I sort of ran with it. And um, my whole trajectory was always in grad school was always like, how can I take everything I'm learning and apply it to the music industry? How can I learn about substance use and apply it to the music industry? How can I learn about anxiety and performance anxiety and all these things and family systems and all of these clinical stuff, but apply it to the music industry. Yeah. And, you know, in my graduate studies, all my papers were focused on like looking at the, the band like a family system and comparing mm. all these things I was learning to like mm. the way the music industry functions. And so uh, came out to LA about eight years ago and pra private practice and started seeing artists and managers and agents and crew people. And, and here we are. Wow. Wow. Um, that's fantastic, man. I always love stories about people that are just exploring their own passions and interests and meld those two. And you guys have both done that. Um, Haim, you want to get into the really interesting part of what's up with the Amber Health now and like the evolution of that. And then I want to kind of speak about, I want to talk about how Amber Health is helping individuals for those. So I have a lot of people that are listening to the show that are in the industry that are out there on the road or know somebody that is and are just interested in the industry itself. And I want to make sure that everyone understands how you guys can help them as mm -hmm. well. Totally. So when, you know, when Zach and I were introduced in 2019 and both of us were working sort of independently had these private practices supporting individuals in the industry, uh, both of us had recognized that, you know, it was really meaningful for us, the work we were doing. But it was, you know, it was like a drop in the bucket of helping 100 people a year between the two of us, which is a clinician, pretty much, you know, your roster is capped by how many hours in a week you can see well, patients. Yeah, and you can only and humanly do so much, man. Don't beat yourself up. Over totally. <laughs> well, no, but it's like, but if you think about it, it's like the 100 people a year we're helping. And we're looking at an industry that's, you know, depending on how you slice it, whether you include people in ticketing and venue and this, yeah. and I mean, kind of 150,000 people in this industry. And I think right. we both had this, we're both kind of like big picture thinkers and yeah. we're like, we need to construct a model yeah. that doesn't just scalable. help a hundred people a year that, but exactly that yeah. is scalable. And so we started mm -hmm. thinking of, you know, and talking about different uh, approaches to do that. And uh, both Zach and I were involved in various organizations in the industry looking at this. And I think what we landed on is we needed a boots on the ground, you know, high impact, really clinically sound program, but that could be delivered at scale and how we could, you know, train an army of people to deliver it at scale. Um, 
And we started to build that out around, you know, 2019, 2020, mm. as the research was going on, as the pandemic hit. And the amazing thing in the, you know, fortuitousness of the universe, you know, I don't, uh, at my personal level, you know, it's like I'm a, you know, I like to spiritually believe that there's a, a destiny in all things rather than a, you know, sort of randomness. And it was like the pandemic opened a door to the conversation where all of a sudden, as the industry shut down, everybody's mental health went like sideways yeah. if it wasn't already. And it opened like people had nothing to fucking do other than sit at home and form groups and talk about things in there. How do we how do we make the industry better? What do we do now? All that shit has gone by the wayside and <laughs> back to touring at full steam ahead. And now, you well, that's an open simplification, though, because things didn't go by the wayside. We've talked about them and now everyone's back totally. on the road totally. and we're taking everything to totally. account that became uncovered during those really important times. But go ahead. Yeah, yes, to some just to some degree. Yeah. I think you know there there is an element within the industry who's like, let's just go back to making money, let's recoup what we oh, lost, 100%, let's get back to hundred percent. And then there and then you're right, and then you're right, Josh. There is an element who have like been inspired, who have kind of become awakened to things, who are like, we can't go back. The old normal wasn't healthy, right? And we're really trying to harness and you know gather those individuals to be advocates. Uh, from within the industry, within their camps and their yeah. tours and their communities yeah. and their teams to stand up and go, we need to do something in a better, healthier yeah, way. There was an so, inertia that came out of that downtime, for sure. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And so as as we, you know, the pandemic hits and here we are developing all these uh, programs, as the industry has come back online and our, you know, Amber Health team has now grown greatly We've begun to be able to get in the trenches and service tours, festival teams, uh, you know, uh, production companies, uh, record labels, management companies, promoters, right? Like the the entities of the industry, which is this like massive chunk of people and walk in there and provide programming. And we're researching it as we go and we're testing and looking at, you know, the impact of it on people and before and after and what we're finding. I mean, in 2022, we supported about 1900 people. In the industry went through some of our services and it's like and we were like, we're fucking doing it. The thing that we wanted where we were able to go from helping 100 people to helping 2000 people. Yeah. And that'll only expand in 2023. That's amazing. So how are, so I don't know, Zach, you you guys, you guys figure out how you want to jump in with each other on these. Okay. These like questions. Cause if I throw it at you, I don't know if that's your specialty or whatever. Um, Excuse me. So how do you do that? What do I do? You know, I talked to Hillary Gleason of Backline. Um, she's like, well, we, we got the number you can call and, you know, we'll put you in touch with therapists. Um, mm-hmm. Not to kind of set you guys against one another in any way. Just a, just a, an example of what I know they do. How do you guys do your work and how do you get, how do you get people to get help and make that known to move from 100, talking to 100 people time to talking to 1,900 people last year? So one of the things that we recognized is that, and this is sort of where the big thinking comes in with time and I, 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 having been clinicians. That's, that's the one thing that I think a lot that makes us a little different than some of the other organizations who all do amazing work. Yeah, is that we're we are clinical people. We understand what it's like to be in the room with people. We understand the interventions that work. We understand how to take strong clinical uh, skills. Uh, and be clinically effective and scale it. So this is how we're designing it. What we realized, and I think part of our mission is we are trying to move out of the one-to-one model. Um, It's, it's, it's expensive. It takes a long time. um, And and some people aren't ready to go into sort of the one-to-one, one, that one-to-one therapy uh, model that Mm -hmm. is so normal. So we work on a B2B level. And so what we do is we look for, organizations, record labels, tour entities, tour vendors who hire us to deliver a scope of services for either their employees or their tour or perhaps their artists or whatever it might be. <laughs> I got you. So you're, so kind of, our, you're, you're our, sort of offering turnkey solutions to larger entities. In, and, a, sen- and in a sense. It's not, 
and it's not to replace their existing things, but it is oh, to go in even, and I didn't of, even mean that. I have no. Idea. Yeah, no, but it, but it, 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 it is to. <laughs> like, it's. It, it, but we walk in and we we know this industry. We yeah. s- we we swear we we like we we've been there before. Yeah, and I think the one thing that we find is that people feel a certain level of comfort with us and our team because right. everybody on our team has been there before yeah. everybody on our team comes from the music industry. And if they haven't come from the music industry, they go through a rigorous training to right. teach them about the music industry. So they are competent in the things that will show up. Yeah. Well, they're mostly involved in the music industry. I mean, you guys have a pretty significant client list this, uh CMA country music association, uh, Playa Luna, which apparently puts on stuff in Mexico. Although I'm, I didn't know them. I know CID and like cloud nine and those things, but, um, and Newport Folk Festival. So you guys are like into uh, into some pretty interesting um, companies. So how you're working as a clinician also, are you speaking or do you kind of offer your services to your own business in that sense also? Is that what's going on as well? So we bring teams out depending on what the project is, who the client is. And oftentimes it includes Chaim and I. Okay. Um, um, so, so yeah, we, we do a lot of traveling. We build a team of people, whether you're a tour of 350 people and you require full six month wraparound services, we will build an appropriate team for that tour. Um, yeah. we'll make sure that it's, you know, we'll make sure that it's the right people, um, that fits the vibe of the tour. Right. Um, because you know, tour X and the, you know, stage vendor Y are going to need totally different things and need different people. So we, we, we are very thoughtful in, in how we curate the services and what we deliver and, and right. know two, two, two clients get the same thing. Gotcha. So, um, Haim, can you give me like a, a cool, like brief case study on something that, that where that has, uh, that's occurred in like real life? Sure. And I think by the way, Playa Luna is probably a great example, which was formerly known as CID Presents. Oh, oh, that's why I hadn't heard of them. Okay, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> huh. So, you know, so they put on the shows in Mexico with Dead and Company. And, yeah, yeah. My Morning Jacket know, last my year. Morning Jacket and, like, and yeah, Dave Matthews. And, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. They um, just did that for this next for this next upcoming season? Correct. So, right. yeah. They, so, cool we're name, going into our... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And uh, we're going... And they're, and they're such a wonderful group of humans. And we're going into our third year with them already. Oh. And uh, they're, they're an amazing case study in that we came on board to support, um, like, a whole suite of services, not just while they were on site in Mexico, but really, we're kind of into the preventative medicine model of being able to train people on how to manage their experience before they're on tour, before they're in the thick of festival season, so that they go into the high-stress experiences already armed with better tools to uh, regulate emotion, manage their stress levels, deal with interpersonal conflict, all those things. And so, you know, we started working with everybody in a management level in that company about three or four months before they ever got to Mexico, Yeah, uh, which helped them um, coalesce as a team, help them feel more supportive in their culture of like their sort of team environment and also gave them individually a bunch of tools and skills. We met with each person individually to identify what some of their challenges were, what support they needed. Each so person you mean like department heads, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like at a management right, level. Right, right, right. So management that, level. That's what I meant. 20, yeah. 25 or 30 people, all the department right. heads. And yeah. so by the time they hit the ground in Mexico, they were already like you know, their muscles were strong. So wait, let me, and, can I uh, interrupt you for like two, just two brief seconds. What are the specific challenges? Like now we're talking about Playa Luna, which is great. And I want to hear about this case study, but they're on the ground in one place in Mexico, receiving new bands, etc. Are there specific challenges that are unique to that environment? That seems like a pretty, like an, maybe I'm, I don't, I don't mean to minimize anything, but like on the face of it, it's like, they're holed up in a hotel and they're putting on music events. That's a different beast than uh, a touring enterprise that's moving from city to city to city internationally or naturally. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just wanted to get that impression out there and kind of understand um, what kind of services you offer to when the supply Luna slash CID that's like in one place or two Sure, places. completely. By the way, 
you, you might think on the surface level looks glamorous. What do people on the outside think about the touring world? Oh, yeah, that looks glamorous. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. No, no, by, by no means am I minimizing the problems right. that are occurring. But when, you, but when you get in, you realize that they're on the road it's, for three months at a time yeah. rather than a tour that goes home every three, three weeks, weeks, right? right. They're right. on the road okay. far away, and they're, and they're in a different country. It's not like they're in the environment that, like, great, the bed might be comfortable in the hotel, yeah. but they can't. they also can't escape it, right? So it's meaning it's like on tour, you can get away a little bit. There's off days. You can do other things right. here. It's like you're working the 18 hour festival days every day for three months straight. And you're far from home, from your support system, okay. from all the structures, from your routines. It is incredibly challenging for that. Team wow. Out OK. There. All right. And I'm glad we talked yeah, about it. I'm glad which, we, we um, you know, created talked about that a little bit yeah and they're they're a really heroic bunch like super superstars at what they do which is why in part we we enjoy working with them so much is because the people are just so impressive in their roles oh yeah we totally. got out there i went to i went to see we, I, w- I was in my morning jacket one and i talked i always make it a point to talk to staff and and the people that you're talking to and helping out and yeah they were amazing talking about what they're up to how long they're out there everything it was it was incredible Totally. And what happened was, so, you know, we got out there, we provided <laughs> weeks of services on the ground in Mexico, whether that was, you know, daily meditation groups, one-on-one sessions, group things for each department, uh, crisis management when needed. And it was incredibly powerful. Like, so, And that wasn't just for the department head level. That was for every person on the Playa Luna staff could make use of that. And many of them did. Uh, so we were able to really support their whole team uh, from the top to the bottom, every person. And what happened was that year, that first year we were out there, uh, you know, uh, Dead & Company canceled due to COVID. There was like multiple team While members went down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Multiple team members <laughs> went right to key team members. Yeah. yeah. Multiple team, key team members went down with COVID. There was, you know, all the stresses of like all the protocols that you had to go through, Mm. you know, guest canceling because they got sick before they got to Mexico. You know, it's just like there was so much havoc, uh, all the extra precautions backstage with band requirements around COVID. And it was just like it was the most complicated year they have ever had by far. And it really should have been the year that burnt out the staff. And at the end, if you ask the leaders of that organization, they were like, morale has never been higher on our team. Every person in a key role decided to come back the following year, despite the challenges, right? It was like they rose to the occasion and they were like, the only difference between that and the previous years where it was a challenge personnel-wise was that they actually had support in advance and while they were there. Yeah. Um, And so for us, that was like the proof in the pudding that this thing really works and it makes a difference in supporting the people that make the magic happen. Think about under industries of other industries actually gave a shit about mental health and put in place people that could come and structure this. It's just, um, um, it's really amazing. Zach, you want to add anything to that? It's just like getting out there and, and, and creating all the, it's, like recognizing how much stress there is that really kind of hit home for me. Like, yeah, these guys are hanging out for three months in the same place, but it's 18 hour days and it's not home. And it's kind of, it's all the same external stress factors of being on the road without the tour buses and vans. We get to, we get to, you know, really talk to the human beings who are the bloodline of this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, you know, there are, we work with artists and stars and all, and those people of that caliber and they're yeah. amazing people. But I think one of the things that I love about this work is that you, you, it's all the people who aren't, the spotlight's not on them. They're the people in the workshop making sure that the board is going out and is running perfectly for the front end house mix or the monitor yeah, mix. Yeah. And these are, the, you know, the they're, trenches, they're sort of, the, man. they're the people in the trenches and they're the forgotten people. And just to quickly give you a, a, a quick clinical stories from last, last week, we were in uh, Nashville working for a tour vendor and, you know, someone came in for a one-on-one session, had sat through a couple of our workshops yeah, and had never been to a therapist before this was sort of like an opportunity to sit down with somebody to see what it was like. Yeah. And he said that for three years, he's been numb and he went home the night before (laughs) after attending some of our workshops. And he said, his wife looked over at him and said like, 
this is the first time I've seen you look like this in three years. And he came into our one-on-one session and said, like, for the first time in a long time, I feel hopeful. And it was because we were supporting them. And this is somebody who's been tweaking audio gear for 18 years and has probably worked on the boards of many of the people, either the bands and artists who have come on this show or, you know, fans who have listened to the music that they've mixed. And we get to see it. We get to like be a part of that. And I think the inspiring part is to continue to work with leaders in this industry who want to make a fucking difference. Like for the first time, there are services like ours out there. If you are listening and you are, uh, you know, someone who wants to make a difference in your organization, like come contact us. Yeah, that's that's such an important point. Like the leaders need to be involved because as you were saying that, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is great on a macro on a micro level. We're helping individuals, but really how. Um, what's the incentive for leaders to bring you guys on board? And but the Josh, incentive we is- don't, we don't get to that person who I had a conversation with unless the leader of his organization and his company says, I want right. to make a financial commitment yes. to bring these people in. Right, for right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's time. where I was going with that. Right? It was like, there has to be people at the top that want to get this done. They want everyone's mental health because the better mental health of everybody, all ships rise in a rising tide. You know, I mean, that's, that's right. Yeah. That's well, right. And we know, and we know, go ahead, Ryan, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, if you ask any CEO of any company on the planet, well, what's your most valuable asset? They'll tell you it's their human capital, right? It's the, it's the people in the key roles that work for them. And it's like, it's just yeah. smart business. As, it it's is. just it smart is. business as a leader to take care of your people. So they want to come work 100%. for you and they work hard. And we're in an industry that lost 37% of its workforce in COVID that never came back because it was cushier to just go work at Amazon. And <sighs> for the companies now who are suffering and are all short of quality staff, it's like, you need to take care of your staff. If you want to yeah. bring in new people, want to have the people who are there stay there. And so to us, it's actually, you know, in some ways it's like, it's a seemingly easy sell. Right. It's like, be good to your people, not just on a human level, but it's like smart business. Yeah. Yeah. To keep people afloat and keep people going and like, yeah. And we're all in this business because we love what we do and we love music and we want to keep, we want to propagate all the beauty and the fucking creative vibes that go on. We want to make that happen. And that is, and Josh, that is, I think the, 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 the heart of it that we find and we talk to so many people, we do these workshops that have scary numbers and yeah. stress levels through the roof and failed marriages and, and heart medications and heart attacks and all these things that happen to all these people who are on the road. Right. And yet every time we're in there and we're working with a group of people, we say like, what do you love about this industry? And it is amazing to hear what people say and they stay in it for a reason. So there's a passion there. There's a workforce that it's, passionate about what they do, we should be supporting them so that it is a more sustainable place to be. So everybody wins. Yeah. They're not only passionate, presumably sensitive individuals that are in a creative industry and we want to be able to make that flourish. So I appreciate you guys for doing what you do and making that happen on such an incredibly high level. And, um, um, this is wonderful. Heim, Zach, you guys are the best, man. Thanks so much. Amber health. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Look forward yeah. to great things. Yeah. It's uh, it's really, we appreciate every one of these conversations as an opportunity to, you know, push the ball forward. And we, we say all the time in five years, this will be on every tour in the world in the same way that catering is on every large tour. And oh, hell yeah. there are just certain things that are a standard that you do to provide yeah. for the wellness and the, you know, humanity of right. the people that are in this industry, uh, how it'll get there. You know, we don't know exactly the route, but we know that every one of these conversations uh, and whether it's the listeners or you yourself being able to open that conversation with other people, uh, you know, it just moves that forward a yeah. little bit. We become an industry that's a little kinder and a little more thoughtful about the human experience. of all. It's the partly about also knowing that there are, are these issues that are occurring out there and putting the numbers on that. And you guys went out and did that immediately. And we know that there there's quantifiable evidence that this is happening. No manager or director or owner of an organization can deny that it's happening in their own organization, because chances are there are mental health issues and there that are happening in their particular organizations and they're happening broadly across the whole industry. So 
Um, totally. Let's take care of ourselves and let's all get our heads right and let's uh, get the heads right <clears throat> and you know create that environment where everyone can have their heads right in this industry. It's a lofty goal, but I think you guys are doing a great job out there. Thanks, man. We're trying. Yeah. yeah thank yeah. you, Josh. Oh, you're Appreciate you. Thank you guys for being here. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Thanks again for being here, you guys. Uh, good luck on the road. Thanks. Appreciate Peace. You. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, that was me talking with Heim Newman and Zach Bohr of Amber Health. Uh, really great to learn about uh, what they are doing to help stem this real crisis in the music industry today concerning mental health and how they're really taking this uh, amazing and dynamic and broad-based approach to helping uh, the music industry uh, and uh, approach and attack this mental health crisis. And really one of my most uh, important takeaways, uh, apart from the uh, really critical work that Chaim and Zach oversee and engage in themselves, is uh, the paper, uh, the study, uh, the white paper that Amber Health had published in Journal of Psychiatric Research that revealed that this crisis is real. Uh, just to remind everyone, they uh, they surveyed more than 1,100 touring professionals with a 239 question survey that revealed that depression, anxiety, and suicide risk was five to 10 times higher in the music industry than in uh, the general population. Um, I don't know what the definition of crisis is, but that sounds like a mental health crisis to me. And uh, it truly is. And Amber Health is doing what they can to help uh, help those in the music industry that are subject to incredible stresses on a daily basis, uh, working 18 hours a day, being away from home. And it is, um, we all love the music industry. I think this is the bottom line. We love the music industry. Um, I love doing what I do in the music industry. Uh, I know uh, those of you that are in the industry themselves and listeners uh, love what you do and know how difficult it is. And I'm also a fan of music. I'm a fan of live music. I'm a fan of the music industry, and I do what I can to support those that uh, those artists and others that are helping the music, music industry remain vibrant and healthy uh, in this very challenging environment today. And I applaud Amber Health and I applaud other agencies that are doing the exact same thing. Uh, I, I think of Hillary Gleason and her work with Backline. Um, that is an episode that uh, when I spoke to Hillary Gleason about that amazing work that she does, uh, like I mentioned, May was Mental Health Awareness Month. So uh, not only in May, but uh, always we should have um, the mental health in mind and should be top of mind for us as fans and industry participants to watch out for others and to help support those that uh, have the best interests and best interests of the mental health of those in, the, in such a difficult industry that's really, as they have shown, uh, is really in crisis from a mental health perspective. So I thank Chaim and Zach for the important work that they do and all the others in this industry in the uh, many different types of organizations that help support mental health in the music industry, especially in the live music industry. So Thanks to uh, to all of you listeners for your continued support of Roadcase and for especially listening to uh, this episode. If you've made it this far, you are a hero. And thank you for supporting mental health uh, in the music industry. Thanks again for being here for this uh, really important episode. And I want to especially thank and give a shout out to Chaim Newman and Zach Bohr of Amber Health for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can Email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. 
Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadCasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>